And that's what we're here to do, and that's because we have an unstoppable God. By the way, love that beautiful chorus we sang at the beginning, kind of an uh, upbeat chorus, but I sure loved it. Unstoppable. God is unstoppable. And that's our new series that we are beginning. Now, for me personally, it was a tremendous, deep joy. I just, I can't even express the personal uh, joy that I got out of just studying about the faithfulness of God and about how to be a faithful Christian. I just, it was so rewarding for me, and I trust it was a, a good series for you. And then last Sunday, uh, we talked about how to be a consistent Christian, and uh, specifically Christian uh, family that's uh, consistent for the Lord. Now today, we begin a new series that our God is omnipotent. And so to just maybe connect it a little more in our mind, unstoppable, that's who he is. And our subtitle is simply this, because that's, a, that's what this means, the impossible shall be done. I'm not interested in just, you know, saying a lot of things without meaning something that for me personally and for us. Now, as I prayed and as I've been waiting on the Lord especially when we come a time, I love series because it seems like it builds momentum, and I love to just find passages where we can examine and uh, go through it verse by verse. And as I began praying, I was uh, just asking the Lord, what is it that the church needs right now? What is it that we need as people? What is it that I need and we need as a marriage? And what do our families need? And it is, I think we we need more than any other thing right now just a sense of God's omnipotent power. The truth is it's very easy to get all wrapped up in the political theater that we see uh, played in front of us uh, day by day, the civil unrest that has been so uh, clear, the challenges to our basic freedoms that just seem so uh, egregious and more so every day. And then, of course, uh, we certainly can't discount the, the fear of that nasty virus that's out there. And the fact is, it might kind of get us all shaking our minds and wondering, you know, what's going to happen. And I just remind each of us folks that God's got this. <laughs> I mean, He's not wringing His hands, worried, you know, like uh, somehow He d can't do anything about what's going on. And I, uh, I get this sense from a lot of people that, you know, as though God's hands are tied, you know, he can't, he can't do anything, and somehow God can't step into a situation, and somehow uh, what's going on in the world is way too much for him. But I remind each of us, folks, nothing is too powerful, and nothing is too hard for our omnipotent God. The late A.W. Tozier, uh, an excellent uh, man of God, pastored the church in uh, the Missionary Alliance Church, and outside uh, suburbia, uh, Chicago, a great Christian author back in the 50s, especially in 60s. Um, A.W. Tozier uh, was known for his concern for a worldly church, that we got to get back to God. we got to get back to the Bible. As a result, he became a tremendous devotional writer. One of the greatest books he wrote was called The Knowledge of the Holy. In that book, he says an amazing statement that I think really, uh, to me, galvanizes what we're talking about. Here it is. In the history of mankind, it will show that no people has ever risen above its religion. Think about that thought. Think about all the countries of the world 
those people never rise above the quality of its religion. And some religion really has a lot of qualities to it, but the true religion, Christianity, is based on the Bible, based on Christ. Here's the rest of that quote. And no religion has been any greater than its idea of God. And so I think maybe in 2020, the thing that all of us need is, what is our idea about God? I was talking with someone a couple of weeks ago, and they were expressing concerns for all the stuff that's going on. And, and as they were talking, I was sitting there, and I, was, I felt this sense of gratefulness that I don't have any worries. That doesn't mean I don't have concerns, of course, normal concerns we all have about things, but, but, that, but that somehow it's out of control and that somehow, you know, it's not, you know, gonna, God's not going to turn this thing around or whatever. I mean, it's just so wonderful to wake up every morning knowing that an omnipotent God, while I was sleeping, He was holding everything together. That God is such a great God. Now, folks, I believe a right understanding of God is important for at least two reasons. First of all, because uh, in the world today, we have this ever-increasing spirit, especially in America, Western Europe as well, we have this uh, ever-increasing feeling of secularism, of atheism. And whether in theory or certainly in practice, we find a world that is increasingly pulling away from God and pulling away certainly from Scripture. And so there is a dearth of, and while there may be more people on the airwaves uh, spouting religion, I'm not sure that more truth is going out. And that's the tragic thing, because you can flip the channels and hear this and hear that. But folks, what we need is a clear biblical understanding of God. And for those of you that are watching online, I mean, folks, turn that channel if that guy or girl or whoever, if that person is not using Scripture, make sure that they are using Scripture and dividing it rightly. We need an understanding of what God says. And so I think a a series on the attribute of God, the attribute of His omnipotence is vital for the sense of being able to clarify for the world really who God is. Then you can get on either side of that. I mean, you can get on the right side and accept Him or not, but at least you know, and I think that's the first reason. The second reason I feel like that we need a series on this attribute of God is that, and maybe more important, is because there's a lot of believers who seem to have a serious misconception about the omnipotence of God. Some have swallowed, and for the most part, I think it's due to pastors and TV ministers who, you know, uh, mis, uh, misapply or maybe even with wrong motives, uh, like uh, in the book of Acts where Simon the sorcerer, you know, uh, prevailed upon Peter to purchase the power of God, to purchase the omnipotence of God. And he said, I'll give you money if you'll show me how to get the omnipotence of God. And Peter said, your money perished with you. What's the matter? And I get that sense sometimes when I uh, see some of these guys saying, if you'll send me your prayer request and you'll send me your tithe, I will make sure you get the power of God on your life. Now, folks, that's selling the omnipotence of God. That's a serious problem. There's another problem I see among believers, and, 
it seems like it's more so today, and that is trying to rationalize God, trying to prove God through science. Now, I don't have any uh, problem with people who try to prove God with science. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. But I promise you, in no way, shape, or form are you going to convince a secular scientist that there's a God because you're using science. Nobody gets saved with their brain. We get saved when our spirit gets convicted of our sin, and we know we're a sinner, and we need Jesus Christ. And that's why we need to preach the Bible, the gospel. And so, and that's what God warned the psalmist. He said in Psalm 15, verse 21, you thought I was altogether such a one as thyself. Trying to explain God's power by using science is saying that God is just like we are. Folks, you cannot explain the inexplicable. (laughs) How can we explain something like the power of God? You can only reveal it from Scripture. And so it's a great comfort to me to know that though we have an uncertain future, (laughs) hallelujah, we have an unstoppable God who's going to be able to take care of that future. And so this morning, we begin a new series God without limits, unstoppable God. Let's all bow for prayer. Father, we thank you that you are unstoppable. I love that chorus, Lord. My heart just thrilled and jumped to remind us that you are unstoppable. And I pray that you'll just be with us. And Lord, during this next few weeks, um, that, uh, and I'm excited, Lord. I just, I'm eager to dig into your word and to reveal it to my loved ones here. Lord, that you and those online, that God, you would just speak to us teach us your power, and may we experience your power uh, scripturally, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we begin, let's think about the title for a moment. It's kind of uh, different, really. Um, We uh, in the ministry uh, try not to be too negative, although much of the Bible is negative, and uh, I've heard people say, oh, you preachers and you evangelicals, you're always against everything. Well, you know, there's a negative side to the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. But really, there's a lot of positive to that. And, um, but the series titles, I think, kind of connects to that thought, and that is unstoppable. The word un means no. That means you can't stop God. But really, when you think about it, you have to use words like that to describe God. Because, you know, um, we might say about some basketball player, you know, he's, he's an unstoppable player. Nobody, but then they stop him. I mean, you know, somebody will get, they'll triple team him and, you know, he can't ever shoot a shot. And so he is stoppable. Now, to man, they are uh, unstoppable, but God is truly unstoppable. And you have to use negatives to describe a great positive God. For example, um, humans are blemished. We have so many blemishes physically, of course, but we also have moral blemishes on our spirit and our, and our heart. But God is unblemished. Humans are susceptible to vacillating and changing their mind, but God is unshakable. Humans are often similar in our actions, pretty predictable by age, by gender, Uh, by a particular uh, group, but God is absolutely unequaled, and He is a God who is 
unchangeable. Humans are changeable, but Scripture says He never changes. Now, God is an omnipotent God. He is a tremendous God, powerful God, that is nobody can shut Him down. So let's go to the book of Ephesians, because in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, I don't think there's one passage, especially one passage that gives us the doctrine, any more clear than in Ephesians chapter 1. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Now, as in the case of most of these epistles, these uh, general epistles, uh, as they're called, Pauline general epistles, to a church, that's the word epistle means just letter, these letters to these churches, they are often uh, begin with doctrine and end with duty. The first three chapters in the book of uh, Ephesians is a good example of doctrine. And a lot of people get the doctrine but then they forget the last half of the book of Ephesians. They forget to translate it to their personal duty before the Lord. And we need to remember that uh, not to just you know, hang on to our little pet doctrine, but to get it into practice. And so here we find Paul, and chapter 1 is a good example of all this wonderful doctrine. Chapter 1 includes a prayer. And what we're going to be talking about here basically is Paul's prayer. By the way, you wonder about how to pray for your husband, you wonder how to pray for your family, there's a good example right here. Oh God, I pray that my son and my daughter, and then just pray right through this. And what's his prayer? Basically, Paul's prayer is this. My prayer is that each of you in the Ephesian church, each of you throughout the church age, each of you throughout all the ages would get the understanding of the power we have because of the victory that Jesus won at the resurrection. I want you to know resurrection omnipotence in your daily life. And so that's the prayer. And of course, in typical Pauline way, it is super deep. It's amazing and wonderful. And it, uh, it really uh, bears uh, taking time to look through it. And so here we find Paul exploring three uh, parts about the omnipotence of God. First of all, God's omnipotent plan. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Let's read verse 17 together, if you would, please. Ephesians 1, verse 17. Ready, begin. Out loud, all right? Let's begin. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Paul said, I pray that you would understand the big picture. Take a step back. I've noticed when, if I'm looking at something and I can't figure out whether it's level or plumb, if I take a step back and I look, and uh, I, I used to pride myself thinking, man, I tell you what, I, you can pretty much get and then put a level on it, and that's get pretty close with just that human eye. But you can't do it up close. You have to take a step back. Paul said, take a step back. Look at the big plan. I want you to know something. I want you to know the omnipotent power of God. Now, I'm sure he wanted to let us know how to get away from adversity. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, he didn't tell us here how to get rich and famous, but he said, the one thing I want you to do, look what he said, I want you to have the knowledge of him. 
If you talk to people out there and say, well, how are you doing? Good, good, good. How are your kids doing? Oh, good. They, um, you know, my son uh, got a job doing this and my daughter's doing this. And often we relate things to people um, about to what they're doing. And, and that's, of course, normal. But I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, oh, I'm so grateful for my son because of his knowledge of Jesus Christ has been being born out in his daily life moment by moment. I'm so thrilled that he has a knowledge of Christ. And yet that's what Paul said. That's the one thing I want from you. I'm glad that you got good jobs. I'm glad that you, you know, are healthy, but I want you to have a knowledge of the power of God, specifically God's omnipotence so that you might bring an omnipotent God to bear into your marriage, an omnipotent God to bear into your family, into your finances, and into your job. I want you to know that there is an almighty God who is in control. Notice what it says, the knowledge of Him. Fundamentally, Christianity is just that. It is the knowledge of Christ it is not about all the rules and regulations, although there are rules and there are scriptural principles that God wants us to follow. But fundamentally, our faith is about knowing Christ. And that's why it's so important to have an understanding of the attributes of Christ. Many today, and what's happened so often today, is Christianity light. Jesus uh, is uh, talked about uh, in such a fluffy way. For example, the popular uh, allegorical Christian book called The Shack, very popular, millions of copies out there. Supposedly, this book is a modern-day pilgrim's progress. Uh, I have concerns about that. But any discerning Christian who would read through the book, although I've not read the book, I must admit, but I have read uh, quite a few excerpts from the book. And I will tell you that as a discerning Christian, I have serious concerns about the God character in this allegorical book called The Shack. In this particular book, God is sometimes confused. God is sometimes worried. God is unable to do anything about the things going on in the world. And in one place, it even suggests that God is not all-powerful, and he actually listens to man for his way to figure out how things go on. Now, I promise you, if that is an allegory of God, that is about as error as you can get. God is omnipotent, and he doesn't live in a shack. Our God is an almighty God, and his throne is in heaven. And he is all-knowing and all-powerful. How important then to get, as it says, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Get a knowledge of God. Now, I know we have the ability to do so because I've talked with some of you and many of you, and when you're on your topic, boy, I'm telling you what, you are smart, smart as anything. And I remember talking to one person who was a, uh, worked at a car uh, parts place and uh, I mean, you could ask that fellow, you know, what light bulb do you use on a, you know, on my Volkswagen? And he would say, oh, that's a 5822. And I said, how in the world? I mean, he had hundreds, I mean, probably thousands of numbers in his brain 
that were connected to specific parts. I used to say, how, how can you do that? I mean, I don't even know how many grandkids I have, or, or I barely know how many children. I know I have one wife, I think. And, uh, but, um, you know, <laughs> the, um, the fact is, we, you know what, we, we can know what we want to know. And that's my point here. Paul said, I would wish that you would step back, understand the plan of God. Look what it says in verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Ah, I'm getting this now. It's not just learning. I need enlightenment. How do you get enlightened? Well, you let the light in. <laughs> Many people won't let the light in, but that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And we're saints. Someone said, well, how do you know if you're a saint or not? Well, if you're, if you're not a saint, you're ain't. And so you're a saint or an ain't. That's what it is. And so a saint is a born-again child of God. All of us, no exceptions, myself included, need to have an ever-growing enlightenment of how big God is. Remember what A.W. Tozier said at the beginning? No nation rises above its religion. No religion rises above its concept of God. What is my concept of God? Is God like we saw in the shack? Is he this confused, personal, relatable God? Or is he an almighty, omnipotent God who, when we find out the riches of his glory, it is amazing. I'm telling you folks, we don't understand the omnipotence of God, because it needs something to be enlightened, to be a person of biblical faith. It takes understanding. The word there is mental. It takes spiritual and mental working together. True faith is not all candles and cuddles. It's not an, an emotion-based faith. It is, a base, it is a faith based on Scripture. It is understanding, and that understanding comes from the Word of God, the great uh, one of the great fathers of the early church, Augustine, said it this way, understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that you might believe, but believe so that you might understand. And that's the problem. Many people are trying to understand the Bible and understand Scripture. God said, just believe Scripture and you will understand Scripture. You will understand the plan of God. You will understand God because it's and enlightenment. It's kind of like when people say, you know, this truth is more caught than taught. It's an enlightenment. It comes from God. It's a gift of God. And when we get it, oh man, God, you are all powerful. It's an amazing plan. Number two, God's omnipotent power. Look at verse 19. Let's read it together, please. All right? All right. Ready to begin. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? according to the working of His mighty power. Woo, glory. You talk about uh, a verse describing the omnipotence of God. The Holy Spirit said to Paul, he said, write this down, son. Paul was writing it down, or he was speaking it to his, uh, his assistant who was writing it down. And he said, write this down. Here's what the Holy Spirit said. And this verse is absolutely just pregnant with the, all the nuances of the power of God. 
It is so full, you just can't believe it. God, and he's, God says, get a grip on this truth. A dad and a little boy were browsing through one of those wonderful candy stores. You know, those kind where you go in and you look in behind the little glass cases and you see this candy and this candy. And my wife and I occasionally go to downtown Lodi and there's a chocolate store there. Man, I love that place. I, I want everything in there. You know, I want to try that. I want to try that. Well, this dad and this little boy were in one of those wonderful candy stores and that little boy's eyes were just dancing and seeing all the different candy and he just couldn't believe that he and his dad were going to go there and they were going to get something and the, uh, but unlike a little, lot of little boys, he was very patient, never said a word, never drug on his parents, never yelled, never threw a fit. He was just so quiet, so patient, just, uh, just a amazing little guy. The candy, candy store owner saw it and he was impressed by that. And he said, you know, he said, you've been such a good little boy. He said, I want you to reach in here, reach your hand in this pot. And I want you to take out all the candy you can. He didn't move. Did not even move one bit. He just kind of looked. And the owner said, yeah. He said, just put your hand in here and take that out of there. It's all you can grab with your hand. The little boy didn't move. The owner said, well, here you go. And so he reached his hand in there, grabbed a big old bunch of candy and put it in a little bag and gave it to the little boy. The father and the son were walking out, and frankly, the father was just a little put out that his son didn't, you know, do that. And he said, why, why didn't you do that? He said, why didn't you put your hand in there? I, I know you wanted to. And the little boy got a big grin on his face. He said, I was just waiting because I knew that his hand was way bigger than mine. <laughs> And you know, that's the way we are with God. You know, we have this idea about God's omnipotence, and it's like a one little tiny piece of candy, God said. He just grips a big old bit of candy, and this verse is that. He just, he just puts it on us. All right, let's see if we can look at this amazing verse about the power, the omnipotence of God. God can't even describe his power, but he uses, he uses four different uh, words uh, or understandings that we can get a grip on it. First of all, he said, the first little phrase is actually a, a combination of phrases, but notice what he says, the exceeding greatness of his power, the exceeding greatness of my omnipotence. He can't even just use the word power. He says, exceeding greatness of my power. Exceeding is the word hyper, the Greek word hyper. It is the idea of something on a point, and then it's above that, meaning God's power is off the charts. Number two, greatness. It's the Greek word megas, or as we might know, something that's strong or great. It's something that refers to magnitude, exceeding any standard of physical size. So God says, my power is hyper, it is mega. And it says, it is mega great, and my power, the word power there is dunamis. We've looked at that before. It means dynamic or dynamite. It is an intrinsic power. It is just this power that is just inherent in what you have. For example, you take gas, and when you have gas, it has inherent power. But it's not usable until you do something. I... You can put 
gas in your tank, but you're not going to go anywhere until you turn on the spark plugs and the turn on the ignition. Folks, I want to tell you, you got God gas in your tank. Turn on the ignition and use it. I mean, use that power. And that's what God's trying to say here. He said, my power is hyper. My power is mega. My power is dynamite. It is like gas in your tank. It is an inherent power that if you'll use it, it will blow your head off. Use it, number one. Number two, secondly, it says, according to the working. Look at that verse. According to the working, that is the word energeia. As you might imagine, that's our word for energy. God's hyper, mega, dynamic energy is for us to use. It is constant and it is unfading. It is a vigor. God has a natural vigor to his, uh, and it never has stopped, never faded. God's vigor has been eternal. Now, I notice as I get older, that vigor changes. I mean, it just does. Physically, it changes. Mentally, it changes. And each year, that vigor kind of shifts a little. And, but God's never has. Like Caleb in the Old Testament, the Bible says he was 85, and he was just finally hitting his stride. He was just going as strong as ever. God put a, a, a godly vigor into his life. Scientists tell us that light is miraculous. It's unlike anything else because it is the only substance that cannot reduce. You can reduce every other thing, for example, water. You can't dismantle, for example, light. You can dismantle water, hydrogen, oxygen, but you can't dismantle the parts of light and still have light. It is unreducible. You can compress it, but it's unstoppable. When you compress light, it actually becomes more intense, and that's where we get the idea of a laser. And for those of you that are science geeks, I'll read the rest of this. The reason that it's unreducible is because that photons have no charge. So in the process of being concentrated into a small space, they don't repulse each other like negatively charged electrons. You got that? The idea is that it is unreducible, it is unstoppable. That's why maybe God said Jesus is light. You can't reduce light, you can only concentrate it. it is, he is unstoppable. That's why Job said in 9.19, if I speak of strength, lo, he is strong. He had come to recognize that God has no limit to his power. My plan is, one of the sermons is to go into those beautiful passages in the last book of, or the last part of the book of Job, and where God is, and Job are having this little conversation, and he reminds Job about his omnipotence. Folks, God's power is unstoppable. It is unreducible. There are no limits to his power. God can do anything easily as he can do anything hard. It's more, it is no more difficult for God to create a universe than to create a little butterfly. God is unstoppable. He's no power drain on him. He never needs replenishing. I need replenishing. When I go home on Sunday, man, I've got about 30 minutes and then I'm going to start eating cardboard, whatever it is. I'm going to get something in my stomach. I mean, I need replenishment. 
But God never loses his energy. We, my dear wife and I were uh, at a shopping center uh, this week, and I looked over, and there was this long row of charging stations. It said Tesla on there, and there's all kinds of, uh, there's several cars there. <laughs> I, I thought, man, it's kind of funny thing. You know, we've come to a place in America now, and come to a place in California where you you go there and you plug in your car, you know, I thought, that's really amazing. And I happened to look over there and one guy was uh, napping because his car ran out of juice. And so he, uh, he had to charge it up and he couldn't, it wasn't like a normal car where you can just drive where you want to go. He, you know, it lost its energy. And so he had to sleep there. I thought, how crazy. But anyway, um, I, I was, and I, by the way, I, I think you all know that our governor wants that only by 2035 in California, only electric cars. And uh, I'm not sure how smart that is, but um, I see a pattern there for sure. But one, uh, one smart Alex said about our governor, he said, I think I know why governor likes Tesla Model S so much, because he can spell it. <laughs> but anyway, um, but I, you know, uh, cars that need energy, they got to plug them in. Well, uh, God doesn't need plugging in. Isaiah 40 and verse 28, the Lord is never weary. He's never weary and he's never tired. Now look at the, let's go back to Ephesians 1. Look at the third work there, the word. According to the working of his mighty power. The word mighty is the word kratos. It is the word for dominion or rule. We need to understand that God has dominion. Now, some people confuse the doctrine of sovereignty and the doctrine of omnipotence. And it's easy to confuse, but there's a good, clear difference. And that is that sovereignty is God's right to rule. He is sovereign. Omnipotent is God's power to enforce His sovereignty. I mean, what would it be good if a person was sovereign, but they had no power? That's like this crazy idea that we have in some of these cities of defunding the police. So here's how it works. We give them a badge, that's their sovereignty, and then we give them a flower to make sure that they, you know, take care of any bad guys. No, we give them sovereignty and then we give them power. We give them a nice service revolver and that's not only, you know, that's not only the right, but that is the power to do something. And that's what God is saying here, Psalm 115, verse 3, our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He has pleased. And that's what it says here about the freedom of an omnipotent God. He does whatever He pleases. God just does whatever He pleases. And He doesn't need to explain it to us. He doesn't care if we care or not. And I think sometimes we churches and we sometimes we're so, you know, afraid of that God's not understandable. Well, so? (laughs) He is God. He is omnipotent, and He just does whatever He pleases, whether we understand it or know it or not. And then look at the fourth word, according to the working of His mighty power. According to the working of His mighty power. There is a fourth word there for power, and that is the Greek word which means an endowed power or a latent power. The idea is that it's a power that's just in reserve. It's, it's just there. And it's very clearly that it's there if you'll look at it at all. It's kind of like a guy with muscles. 
I could use myself as a good illustration here, but I'm not. But think of a guy like uh, Dwayne Johnson. I mean, I look at that guy, I mean, just those muscles are just rippling. And I read this week that he is the most uh, he is the most followed person on social media, 200 million followers. I uh, hope he uh, uses that for good. But now I don't have any idea if he is strong. I've never seen him, never been around him. But I will tell you, when I look at those muscles, there is some latent power in those muscles. That is very clear. And that's what God is saying here. God is saying, look at me. Just read Scripture. Look at how great I am. I will promise you I've got all the power you will ever need. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse number 10. The Lord, the prophet said, the Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. <laughs> I love that verse. God just took his coat off. He rolled up his sleeve and he just said, look at there. Look at on there. And the Lord you know, has blessed me with seven beautiful daughters. And as they were growing up, uh, you know, it's easy to impress those little girls, even some of little sons there. But I, uh, I would roll up my sleeve there and I would say, look at there, girly. And uh, she'd go, wow, dad, those are big. And then uh, one of those little brown eyed boys came along and swept my daughter off of her feet. And, and he said, look at there, sweetie. And then she looked at me and said, Daddy, you don't have as many muscles as that guy in my honey over there. And so one of those little brown-eyed boys walked by me. I just tripped him like that. And, and then, see how much power you got now, boy. But anyway, I did it in Christian love, so I must be all right. But anyway, so I make God say, I just made bare my mighty arm. And, and look, and that's what God did at the resurrection. God just rolled up his sleeve and said, do that, brown-eyed boy. Do that. Go ahead. Do that. God said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power. You shall receive omnipotent power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Not that I'm omnipotent, but I get that level of power. You will be a witness. Oh, I can't be a witness. You can if you have power. Because God's omnipotent power will give you strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. We have this treasure. What treasure? The excellency of power. In an earthen vessel. Very clearly, we're earthen vessels. Dirt, water mixed together. Mud firmed up by the world and the stuff that goes on. And I'm just a clay pot. But bless God, I've got the power of Jesus in this clay pot. It is omnipotent power. You'd say, well, I'm too weak. I know, we're weak. We're clay pots. But God's power is in that clay pot. Folks, are you getting this? Are you getting it this week? Come on now. This week, you'd say, well, I'm too weak. You're not with the power of God. Colossians 1.29, Paul said, it is his power in working in me mightily as I labor. And verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. <laughs> That's power. Now, there, have been some feat, there have been some amazing feats of power by humans. I'm, as you may know, I've been around a while, you know the name Pollock is a Scottish heritage. I happened to be in Colorado a few weeks ago and met a guy from Scotland. He just come here and when I gave him my name, he, he said, oh, man, Pollock, that's a good Scott name. And, and his name was Frazier. But, um, 
You know, I went to a, a Scottish Games not too long ago and, and saw all these big hairy guys and they were, you would, what, what, do, what do Scottish guys do for, you know, for fun up there in that, uh, you know, foggy brambles of northern Scotland? Well, they, 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 they do really smart things like throwing rocks. And uh, so these big old Scottish guys get these big rocks and they smile real big, you know, and go, Rah! and uh, throw it three feet. And the other guy said, it's five feet. And uh, they, Rah! and then they take big logs, you know, and they, Rah! I mean, you never see somebody from India doing that, right? I mean, they, uh, Scottish guys, they've never been a Nobel Prize winner from Scotland ever. But uh, they, bless God, they're strong. And uh, they throw rocks and logs and things. And, uh, but, uh, but I've seen some strong people. But I'll tell you one thing. No strong Scotsman or anybody else can raise somebody from the dead. And that's what he said. I rose him from the dead. I brought him and set him in heavenly places. And that's what God can do for you. I love that passage in Mark chapter 14, verse 62. Have you ever seen this? Look at this with me. Now in 1 John, we're told God is love. And everybody loves that verse, right? God is love. Honey, be loving because God is love. Sweetie, be loving because God is love. Everybody ought to be loving because God is love. I believe that, and that's a wonderful truth. But look at this verse, Mark 14, verse 62. And Jesus said, I am and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power. What? God is personified as power. Here, God is power. He is power. That's His name. I was watching on the screen the other day, and this guy came on. They called him Mr. Science. Mr. Science, they called him. I listened to him for a few moments, and heard his atheistic spouting of the origins of man, and I said, well, I'll tell you one thing, he's not Mr. Science, he's Mr. Quack. But I will tell you, God is Mr. Power. He is power himself, and that's what Paul was saying. He is saying, God has an omnipotent plan, he has an omnipotent power, and third of all, God has an omnipotent person. Verse 21, and if we're going to finish, we must hurry, so get on your... Uh, listening uh, devices here. Verse 21, for far above, far above, uh, not just a little above, far above all principality, power, might, dominion. Look, listen to all those words. Far above any king, far above any uh, political party, far above any angel, far above any demon, far above any job, any rich person, far above anything that you'll face above any name that's ever named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come, far above. I mean, so far above, God is so far above the richest, the most powerful person that He has been given all these wonderful names. And we all know people by their names, and God describes His power by His names. For example, one of the, we know like Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, you know, He's a provider, Jehovah Yiri, uh, you know, Rafa, he's a healer, and uh, Jehovah Shalom, he's my peace. ChristianAnswers.net says there's actually over 950 names and titles of God. One of them is El 
Shaddai hits the Almighty One. I love reading some of those, uh, some of those uh, Hebrew translations of the Bible, and they put all the names of God in the Hebrew Old Testament. It's just it's fascinating. But He is El Shaddai. He is not just God. He's Almighty God. Revelation 19 verse 6 says, Alleluia, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Omnipotent God. He reigneth. And when something has, is strong in odor or strong in it, <clears throat> what it's like, we say that's potent. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And I love that passage that Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 14, that the appearing of Jesus Christ, just in case you wonder who he is, he is the blessed and only potentate. You got to love that King James language, don't you? He is a potentate. I love that word. Whoa, that's a good word. I wish Brother Hayden was around. He would love to say that word, potentate. He is a potentate. The word actually is the Greek word dynasty. God is his own dynasty. You know, we talk about Tom Brady, Brady being a dynasty. <laughs> being tested right now. But he is a, he, God is his own dynasty. He is a goat. He's the greatest of all time. Look at verse 21. Far above all principalities. The word there is, the word principality is from the Greek word arche, which means arch or like archangel, it means the number one person. The top of the line, verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things, the church. Yes, God is omnipotent over the church. And since I'm in him, look what it says, verse 23, which is his body. If the head is okay, the body's okay. And the fullness of him that filleth all in all. It comes down to this, folks. We are his church. He's unstoppable. He is all-powerful, and he shares it with us. Philippians 4.13, you can do all things through Christ who gives you his omnipotent power. He strengthens you. I can embrace tomorrow because I am filled with the fullness of God. We can embrace that omnipotent power. God's unstoppable power is the basis of our daily lives as a believer. With God's unstoppable power, no prayer is too hard for Him to answer. With God's unstoppable power, no sin is too vile for Him to give. And with God's unstoppable power, no misery is too deep for Him to relieve. I close with this story here this morning. It is a powerful story. You may have heard it or you may have even read it if you have read any of the late Billy Graham's uh, from his uh, ministry there, talking about God's omnipotent power. This is a fascinating, powerful, practical, miraculous <laughs> reminder of how omnipotent, unstoppable our God is. A mother in an African nation came to Christ, and she grew in her commitment and devotion to our Lord and Savior. As so often happens, however, this alienated her from her family and especially her husband. And over the years, he grew to despise and to hate her and her devotion to Christ. His anger and bitterness reached a climax when he decided to kill his wife, their two children, and then himself because he was so unable to live in such self-inflicted misery. But he must have a motive. He decided 
that he would accuse her of stealing his precious keys, the keys that were to the bank where he worked, the house, and to their car. Early one afternoon, he left his bank and headed for the tavern. On his route, took him across the footbridge, extended over the headwaters of the Nile River. He paused above the river, and he dropped the keys in the river. Then he spent all afternoon drinking and carousing. Later that afternoon, his wife went to the fish market to buy an evening meal. She purchased a large Nile perch. As she was gutting the fish, to her astonishment, in the belly of the fish were her husband's keys. How had they gotten there? What were the circumstances? She had no idea. All she knew was those were his keys. She cleaned them, hung them up on the hook. Sufficiently drunk, the young banker came home that night, pounded on the door as he came in, shouting, woman, where are my keys? Already in bed, she got up, picked them off the hook in the bedroom, handed them to her husband. And when he saw the keys, this from his own testimony, he immediately became sober was instantly converted by her powerful testimony on his knees, sobbing, asking for forgiveness, confessing Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, an unstoppable God, an unstoppable God. He is so powerful, he can do anything. Nothing is impossible. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed here this morning.